I'm your host, Erin Groves, and this is where your positivity journey starts. Welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. Another Monday, another week. I did not do much this weekend. I hung out with some friends, went to a little birthday party on Friday, which was nice. And here I am. It's Sunday and it's pouring in good old Dallas, Texas. So I thought since everyone loved Mike's episode and I got so much good feedback on it that we would bring him back on and we are going to call them monthly Mondays with Mike. Little reoccurring episode. He, as I've mentioned a million times, has been such a good friend and mentor both personally and professionally for me, which is something that I am so grateful for. He's given such good advice and it's just funny for someone that really started their career and the thing that they wanted to in their 30s to see he's, you know, living a very free, fun life now in his 40s. Hopefully he doesn't kill me because I gave a range of his age. He won't care. (laughs) Sorry, Mike. Um, But I thought, why not bring him back on? And we have very lighthearted conversations and just joke back and forth, obviously outside of this podcast. And so I wanted to bring a more light episode this week, still giving business advice. Maybe he might share a story of something he did when he got his quote unquote big job, which is hilarious. And so I thought, why not just have him on every month? You get a little dose of Mike. And I know I always learn from him and I always get a good laugh. And so that is who we have on today. And I hope that with every episode that you guys turn in, tune into, that you are learning and laughing all at the same time. And whether you're t- tuning in to hear, you know, Mike's business advice or, you know, last week's episode with Think Like the Monk, whatever it is, and with all the guests and podcasts to come, I hope that you guys leave here on a better, more positive note. And that's really why I do this and why I'm so passionate about this platform. And thank you all for listening and tuning in each week. It means a lot to me and for this podcast. So I will stop talking and Mike Flanagan once again. I'm back, bitches. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. He's back. (laughs) Happy to be here once again. Thanks for having me back. I thought I was one and done, but here we are. I think it's just nice to have, like, I like the male-female dynamic, and I think we just, we think about things similarly when it comes to business, but I think outside of that, you just give really good, realistic takes on whether it's guys or whatever it is. You're just like, okay, this is actually how it is. And so, obviously, it was my birthday last month, and so I thought this month we could kind of switch things up and do something a little less or a little more lighthearted and do what we're going to call the time machine episode. And so I think Mike is going to have a lot of knowledge around that, and I'll obviously chime in, but we thought, why not take Mike back, you know, only a couple years ago when you were in your 20s and just give (laughs) good advice or things that he wish he would have known or things he wish he would have done. And then I'm going to kind of do the same. Yeah. All my uh, regrets, deep, dark secrets, things I wish I would have done differently on and on. Um, Yeah. I mean, 
boy, the, the list is long. I'm not sure, you know, a one hour podcast is going to cover it all. But, uh, you know, the, the idea of no regrets really doesn't resonate with me. Um, I just think over the course of time, there's there's plenty of them, um, you know, some some greater than others. But, uh, you know, work works, you know, career stuff probably, you know, is where I would start with, you know, my time machine episode, if I went back and what I would do differently, um, you know, and probably the biggest thing that comes to mind, well, actually, if you want to start off with something that uh, <laughs> is probably could go as a regret and also maybe in the list of most embarrassing moments, um, I can go ahead and share, share, share that real quick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, first big time job, uh, pharmaceuticals. I was coming out of office equipment sales and, you know, it's for a lot more money. So I was excited. And, um, you know, there's a big training, you know, for that industry, you literally have to go away for a month. So I had to go to New York. It was actually six weeks for training. And, um, you know, they, you know, they fly in, they tell you where you're going to stay. They put you up, you got a training facility, the whole nine. So, you know, I uh, get on the airplane. I'm ready for training. You know, I'm pumped. You know, it's a it's a great job. And, you know, so I come in and they go, there'll be a car at the airport, you know, just look for the company or whatever your name. And I'm like, OK, you know, they don't give a lot of specifics. It, it's kind of all taken care of for you. So I get to the airport. and It's in New York. And so I'm excited about that. You know, I'm going to spend six weeks in New York. First time I've ever been there. So I get into uh, LaGuardia and I get my bags and I come down the escalator and there's the guy, there's about 30 guys all with like big name things. It's a busy airport. So there might've even been more than 30. And right away I see the guy, it looks like he's got my name. So I'm like, Oh, Hey, that's me. And he's doesn't speak any English. You know, he's like, Oh, okay. You know? And I'm like, yeah. And so he walks me out to the car and uh, we get in and it is a stretch limo. And I'm like, I have made it like, this is big time jobs. They send big time cars to pick you up. And, you know, I'm, I'm in the big leagues now. I mean, this is not a junky old limo. This is a stretch limo. I get in, there's liquor, whatever. We take off. And, you know, at the time we have phones, but, you know, there's no maps, you know, none of that kind of stuff. So you're just kind of along for the ride. He knows where he's going. He's there to pick me up. So we're about 20 minutes into the ride and he turns around and he looks at me and he goes, you Da, da, da. And he says a name and it's kind of like my name, but not really my name. And I'm like, you know, Forrest, that was the name of the company. And he's like, Finnery. And I'm like, Flanagan. And he's like, we going back. And I'm like, oh, shit, I am in the wrong car. So he turns around and goes back and we get to the airport. And there's a guy in a three piece suit. I mean, white hair, probably 50, probably doesn't wait around a lot. And he is pissed and he just starts laying right into me. What is wrong with you? Are you stupid? You know, why would you get in my car? And I tried to kind of explain like the name. It looked like he had my name. You know, it was he was kind of scratched on the whiteboard, you know. But and uh, finally, I just had to say, like, you got to back up because this isn't he was just so irate. And I just wanted to get out of there. And I think it probably took me two years to tell anyone that story. I literally went to six weeks training, never said a word, not to anyone, not my wife, not my kids, not anyone I was in training with. I was so embarrassed about how 
naive, I guess I was. And of course, when I got there, the fat guy with the 19, you know, 90 Lincoln Town Car or whatever it was, who actually was there to pick me up, drove me to the Marriott in the car that would probably be a reasonable one for uh, for them to have two have sent for me. So anyway, we'll start there with uh, regret number one of what I would have done differently. Maybe read the sign a little better, asked a few <laughs> more questions, you know, wondered why they sent a beautiful stretch limo, you know, so who knows, but yeah. So there's, there's, there's the start. Oh, I, you've never told me that yeah. story before that. Sort of, the start of my career regrets right there. <laughs> that is also the difference between guys and girls, because I would have been like, I feel like not like to be sexist but it's just like I feel like guys would just are like oh yeah cool it kind of looks like my name like you guys just don't really think anything of it versus me I would be like double checking triple checking if I'm getting in the car with some random person that I don't know if a car is being sent for me like you know I'm asking for that guy's driver's license and social security <laughs> number before I'm getting in the car right. it's like when you get into an uber I'm like, okay, are you really my Uber? Are you here to take me? I mean, right. nowadays it's definitely a lot different just because there's been so many things. <laughs> yeah, we're, you're, you're exactly right. We don't ask any questions. There's a limo. It looks about right. Okay, let's go. And then you're like, oh shit. Just like directions, you know? <laughs> we'll just get lost for a while. We'll figure it out eventually. So, there's yeah. alcohol in there. You're like, I'm ready to party. This is yeah, the best let's job go. ever. I'm fucking arrived. I'm here to stay, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's it, you know, but, you know, like, as far as like serious stuff, you know, I mean, I think, you know, time machine back, I would have started, started earlier in what I loved. I knew I liked real estate from an early age and I would have, I should have started that sooner rather than later, you know, and, and along those lines, I probably should have, you know, actually this kind of goes hand in hand, ask more questions, you know, around it, how to get into it. You know, I didn't necessarily want to be a realtor, but that would have been a decent transition into investing had I known a little bit more. Um, and I think the other thing I probably would have done is kind of gotten a, a mentor of some sort, you know, someone, you know, who knew about it, you know, and along those lines, ask for help. You know, there's lots of people out there that want to help and will help you if you're willing to ask. But the limo story is probably a precursor to that whole 15 years, you know, ask more questions, ask for help. You know, you don't know it all. You know, I think I said this on the last podcast, but, you know, one of my favorites quotes and a friend of mine um, who is the head coach for wrestling at Oklahoma just sent it. But <clears throat> that you they had a fundraiser where you put a quote on a plaque and put it in one of the kids lockers. Um, and he just sent me a picture because it's still there. But it is. uh you know, those who think they know it all have no way of finding out they don't. And I just love that quote because probably for a while I was a bit of a know-it-all. Well, maybe I still am, but, you know, <laughs> if I'm in recovery. I'm a know-it-all in recovery. <clears throat> Journey than it is a destination. I mean, I would have to say I'm still figuring it out, whatever that means. Um, you know, because you get to a place that you think you wanted to get to, and then you're still not satisfied right and then you start you know looking to, to the next thing or the next thing and then you kind of go backwards and you're like okay well what does make me happy you know if it's not this or that i mean i can tell you that i got to you know a place of a lot of freedom early and now i'm in a place where you know i mean i it's kind of going to sound you know poor me but 
you know, it can be a little lonely. Like I, there's not a lot of people that are my age. So like, for instance, if I said, Hey, you know what, this month, let's go down to Florida. And, you know, if we're bored, we'll go to Key West or Miami. We get bored there. You know what, let's go to Bimini. It's the closest to Bahama Island. And, you know, we'll just bounce around there and have a, well, who's going to go do that with me? You know, I mean, friends wise, I mean, if I asked you, you'd be like, well, uh, I got work and then I got the podcast. And even if I could get a month off, you know, it would, you know, set back my career. So, you know, you get to these kind of milestones that you think, oh, that's, you know, what, what's going to, you know, be so exciting. And I'm going to be so happy when I get there. And you get there and you're kind of like, huh, you know, not quite what I, what I expected, you know, as, as a kind of an example, but, you know, as far as figuring it all out and, you know, you, you do have time. I do think your twenties is a time that you can do things that you won't do any other time in your life. Um, you know, I have a niece that went out to LA at 19. She knew what she wanted to do, fashion, went to fit them. And she met a guy, she was 19, I think he was 22, and they got real serious real fast. And she's now 21, um, and they recently broke up. And I, to say that I'm a little celebratory of it would be kind of an understatement, <laughs> and she might kill me for saying that. But I just looked at it, and I was like, listen, some people, yeah, maybe that's the one. But, you know, you could kind of, like, tell, like, there's enough friction and problems and, you know, she was going to change so much that I was like, you need to spend, you know, your 20s. And now, you know, she's 22, 23, like, you know, just exploring. You're in L.A., you know, do kind of what you went out there to do. Um, and you do have time and there is no giant rush. You'll be figuring it out for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a saying, too, that people always say, when I'm this weight, I'm going to be happy. When I make this amount of money, I'm going to be happy. When I am married to this person or when I get this boyfriend or whatever it is, it's like you get to that thing and then you realize like, okay, it didn't, that didn't make you happy. Like if you're not happy on your own and you're not happy with the things that you're doing, I don't think that one thing is going to make you gradually be the happiest person ever. And I've talked to some of my, just like my dad's friends and, you know, other people that are super successful. And they, I always say, you know, money can't buy you happiness. And they, <laughs> their thing is like money can get you like be a gateway and it frees up things in your life. But you always have a really good perspective on this of like, once you get to a certain point after that, there's, it's not like incremental amount of happiness once you're meeting those basic needs. Definitely. And, and the, the other thing is, if if you do, there's a lot of people that make a lot more money than I do, you know, and, and th that a lot of people do. But again, if you haven't figured out a way to get freedom from that, you know, meaning that you just work, 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 work. I mean, when I'm in Florida, these houses that are down there, I mean, immaculate. And I'm telling you, they're almost always empty. Now these people, who knows, maybe they got a place in Europe and I mean, it could be that too, but you know, there's a couple of things you need other than just kind of financial security, because if the way you get that is by you kind of driving, you know, your job or the workload or the business all the time until, I mean, I know guys that own car dealerships that are retiring, you know, they're, they're in their seventies, you know, but you know, they were the business and yeah, they made good money, but the freedom was, was missing. So, you, you know, when you're, and you, when you're young, again, back to our kind of time machine concept, you know, if you can figure out not just a way to become 
kind of financially secure, but also how to become free from having to worry about making sure you're financially secure. That's kind of, for me, was the trick. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's hard. I don't think it's easy. And I think one thing that I always struggle with is that I feel like I always think it's a destination. Like I have to get to this point and this point and this point. And it's so true that it's a journey. And even my dad's like, I don't know exactly. I don't, he's like, I don't know if you ever quote unquote know exactly what you're like meant to do or exactly what you want to do. I think kind of like you told me, like you do things that you're good at and thing that you're passionate about. And sometimes it'll pay the bills. And sometimes, you know, if it's something you're passionate about, but it doesn't, you just got to keep moving in a direction and things will happen. Yeah. I mean, you'll end up, you know, probably, you know, where you're supposed to be, or at least the, to the best of your, you know, ability. So, you know, and a lot of the stuff that, that you look at too, like when you go back in time, like, mm-hmm. you, you know, what would I tell my 25 year old self? It's not so much, you know, doing things differently. It's, it's, it's almost just trade-offs, right? So you look at, so I can look at now where I am. And I'm very happy where I am. So if I had waited, you know, to get married or waited to have kids, well, then this portion of my life would have been very different. So would that have been better or worse for me? Um, I don't know, you know, and I look back and, and I think it would have just been a trade-off, not necessarily better or worse, you know, just different. And how it would be different, I don't know, because I've only lived one way. So the only thing I can give you advice on is what I've done. And if you want advice on something else, you should probably go to someone else because you're only going to get this perspective, which is a whole nother thing. You should, you know, get multiple perspectives because, you know, I can't explain to you what it's like being single till you're 38 and then getting married and having kids later in life. There's probably somebody that's going to tell you that that's fantastic and that there's no other way to, to do it. And there's probably somebody that's going to tell you the opposite. And then you can kind of weigh those and make your own decisions and everybody's different. So whatever, you know, feels right for you, you know, may, will make sense too. And then things will happen along the way that are not in your control that can dictate part of that as well. You know, I always say life is kind of 50% luck and timing. So. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one thing I've noticed too. I'm definitely yeah. like, as you get older, that becomes more evident. Kind of the life isn't fair. If you, if you work hard and you do all the right things, you're going to end up fine what what that fine looks like you know could be anywhere monetarily or travel wise it could be anything yeah which i think it's just i feel like for me i we were talking about this before this episode but when i was talking about like obviously you know me going back to 25 is not there's no revelations <laughs> there but i do think about all of the things that i did up until like my job now and every single one of them led up to the things that I'm doing now. Like if I never, like my first job was at a country club. If I never did that, I would have never met you because all the steps and all the people that I met along the way, like ultimately led to you. And then even launching the podcast, like the original person that I launched it with, like if it wasn't for her, I don't know if I would have ever done it. Like I had people pushing me, but it was like that one thing. So it is so true that once you take a look back, I think Mike calls them regrets. I like to call them learning experiences. It's the yoga. <laughs> yeah. He's, when, he's well, the realist the, in the, the podcast world. is power of positivity. So of course, you know, 
I'm here for the healthy dose of skepticism amongst all of this positivity that you are putting out there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you obviously have learned from, I think there's definitely some things that I regret doing. I feel like those are probably more personal, which like we can always get into those. But I do think that every single thing taught me something that whether it was good or bad or I hated it or whatever it was, it taught me everything. And like even coming to Dallas, like I was telling you that I was between two jobs and I was either going to stay in Columbus, which no offense to Columbus, but like I would have been miserable. My parents were moving away anyways, or I would have gone to Chicago in either one of those places. I never, I like don't see myself there. Now that I'm in Dallas, it's crazy. I'm like, this was definitely where I was meant to be. And it's so weird that like one decision could have changed that outcome. But I also think kind of like on the flip side, if people are out there trying to make a decision, it's like, you just have to go with your gut and just like that first thing that you think is right. And not that you could make the wrong decision, but I just think like you're going to end up where you're meant to be. Yeah. Well, and if you make a wrong decision, then you just make a different decision. Don't be terrified by those wrong decisions to where you're paralyzed and you're not doing anything. I mean, you know, the nature, you know, thing of that and, and where you are led, you know, kind of by following your gut decisions, I think gets you the closest to what you're ultimately supposed to do. I think if you get paralyzed by the fear of those decisions or those changes, that's where you, you get stuck. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, you know, shit, you know, some time has gone by here and I haven't done the things that I want to do. And that's where, you know, more regret than learning experience probably set into, you know, which I think you rarely regret the things that you do, right? You, most of the times you regret the things you don't do. Which brings up such a good point and where I was going to go with this because time machine. So taking it back to when you were 25 and like thinking about not, I mean, obviously not just at that time, but think about the things that you would have told yourself maybe to do differently. And I think for me, not again, not going back to 25, but like just reflecting on my life, all of it would have been just to chill out, like just to let go of what you think quote unquote should happen and just like go with what you are want to do and everything else is going to fall in line. Like you can't miss something. So I guess building off of that, like what, So, so I guess a couple of things. Number one is, do I have Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok now, 25 years ago? I mean, do I have social media? Because maybe I would have made some different decisions with all this access to information you guys have. But in, in all seriousness, I mean, I probably would have, you know, I think your generation with the access to information is fortunate in the sense that there's so much out there that it seems like you guys are like in a, you, you kind of can figure out or know what you want to do. It just seems like there's a lot more people in your generation, a little bit more clear on, on their direction. You know, the stuff that you're talking about at 25, I have to say, if I would, I would have told myself not to chill out, but let's get moving loser, like get out of college. Let's, you know, cause I was, I mean, my first, quarter of credit hours. I think in college, I think I took six hours. I think I dropped two classes, you know, took six. And so about halfway through college, I decided, okay, I do want to get out of here. Um, And it didn't take me too long. It took me about four and a half years. So I wasn't there forever. It wasn't like, you know, Tommy boy, you know, yeah, they're called doctors. Lots of people go to college for eight years. But anyway, um, 
So, so I would have, I would have probably told myself, you know, to get focused, you know, a little bit more on the things that you're passionate about, because I just kind of, you know, for a long time, you know, I didn't really start, you know, I just, I got through college. Right. And then I could never find things that interest me. So I, I thought I didn't like to read. Um, and then somewhere along the lines, I found a book and I think it was like, probably millionaire next door or something like that. And I read it and I read it in like, you know, two weeks. I mean, and so I was like, well, I guess I, I do like to read. I just don't like to read school textbooks. And so then that was kind of the genesis of me, you know, reading books and, you know, learning, you know, about things that I didn't know about. And then I went on like a religious thing. You know, I knew, you know, I went to Catholic school. My mom was Protestant. I was in church on Sundays. I was in church on Wednesday nights. You know, I was in mass and then Bible study. I was bouncing between, you know, confession and, you know, the basket that gets passed around where they collect money. I mean, so I had a lot of religion growing up. So I was really interested in like, I went through a phase of like other religions. Like, and I'm getting a little off the tangent here, but like, so I got this book, like the dark side of Christian history. I wanted to know the the good and bad of what I was kind of taught from an early age, you know, cause I started thinking, well, you know, if you were in China, you'd be a Buddhist. If you were in India, you'd be Hindu. You're in America, you're Christian. Like, did I really have any say in any of this? So anyway, so then I started reading books. So that's, where I got my information, but, you know, that was kind of like my thirties, you know, so I was a little slow to the academia and learning about, you know, things outside of my local environment. And so that, that brings me back to kind of like get started earlier about what your passion, get the mentor, ask questions, you know, get information about the things that you're passionate about, you know, whether it's, you know, you want to open a gym or start a karate studio or whatever you want to do, you know, start getting information about that. Don't, I, I kind of him hawed around, you know, like, well, this is a good job. Oh, well, this looks like a better job. Oh, well, this is a better job than the last job I had. So I'll move to that one. There wasn't a lot of thought. Like it would be like two people that would be like, you know, pharmaceuticals make good money. I'm like, okay, great. I'll go try to do that. You know, it wasn't anything I, you know, and, and that, that's not wrong either. You know I mean? They were right. Um, and I have friends to this day in medical sales at Boston Scientific that kill it um, and enjoy what they do. So, you know, but for me, I should have done some earlier soul searching, figuring out what I liked, what I didn't like, all those kind of things, um, what I believed, what I didn't believe. I was kind of late to that party, I feel like. So I tell my 25 year old self would not be chill out and be like, let's let's get going here, loser. <laughs> and it's Mike and I are like roles where he's more into I know touch on social media. Um, but he's like more into social media, TikToks and stuff like that probably than I am. But I also think it's with social media comes obviously the good and the bad, just like with anything. I think it's given our generation the data and it, we just have more opportunity. Like now there's yeah. opportunity for you. I mean, with podcasting really to monetize so many different things that you just didn't have. And so right. I think it's created opportunity, but I also think it almost has put an unnecessary pressure when you see people younger than you or this or this that are absolutely killing it through different things. And I know that's something that I've talked about even with my siblings of like, you see these people that are 16, 17, 18, and they're making millions, millions, millions. And you're like, what, did I miss something? Did I do something wrong? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm following a very, I guess, quote unquote, traditional path by corporate. I mean, the podcast definitely is not, but 
Yeah. Well, and, and you know, what's funny is, you know, you talk about all these things and remind me to talk about social media, but it, it, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of this stuff and, and even the, I'm going to go a couple different things, but it's almost like a philosophy, right? So yeah, you should do all these things in the perfect world, you know, read more, do more, do your passion, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you graduated college and you have student loans and shit needs to be paid for, like I need a job, like, and I don't have the opportunity or, you know, the ability to choose, you know, my passion. And, you know, sometimes when you hear some of these people speak, I mean, all of it is good conceptually. And I can relate it to like real estate. I listen to these guys talk and they just talk in these generalities of like, you know, and they never answer kind of like the how real estate's a perfect one, you know, oh, buy, rent, rehab, refinance, you know, that's the way to do it. Or, you know, Airbnb, be an Airbnb millionaire, da, 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 you know, but like all the integral details, you know, how do you find the properties? Who lends you the money? How much do you need? How do you get tenants and who manages all the calls that you get? Like there's so many things that, that would need explained. Um, and that was where, you know, I came through kind of like that reading phase where I'm reading things and everything is kind of a new idea, new concept. Then you read a lot and then things start to repeat themselves, even by different authors and particularly by the same authors. And then, so at some point you go, OK, now I know what everybody else thinks. You know, what is it that I think? You know, what do I agree with? What do I disagree with? And as you kind of go through that, you start to go, you start to be able to recognize kind of who's a little full of shit who's very helpful. And then you can kind of gravitate to the people that are, you know, more helpful and less full of shit. Um, you know, a lot of those people are just out there making money. Now they made their money, but they found that they can make more money by telling people kind of at a thousand feet, what they did without really getting into the weeds or they charge you a fortune to come in. And then they tell you kind of the, the details, some of it works, some of it doesn't, but um, you know, I think there's, you know, a lot of that that kind of stuff. But again, it, it, you know, all of these are good conceptually, but you definitely have to drill down to, you know, how you're going to achieve those things. And, and if that's a possibility right now, or if that's a future goal, like I said, you graduated, you, you know, your family doesn't have a lot of money, you have bills, you have all these things. Well, you're going to have to do some things probably before or at the same time as whatever you're passionate about, you know, or else you're going to be in a tent city in LA's finest, you know, skid row. <laughs> and so. I think it's hard too, because I think like what I've noticed is from my twenties is that you're doing so much growth internally that it's almost hard to really pinpoint exactly what you want to do because you're just doing so many things and you're just growing as a person. I mean, every time I talk to me, I'm like, you do, you always hear like you're growing in your twenties you're going to start killing it in your thirties. Like everyone says your thirties are your best years ever. And then in your forties, you're not relaxing, but it's like, you want to work hard in your twenties so you can enjoy your forties. And I think that's kind of been like the biggest struggle. And I also think too, one thing that I would tell myself at 20, when I was going so hard with like trying to figure out who I was and all this stuff and like hanging out with people like Mike and learning from everyone older is that once you quote unquote, come into who you are, life does not get easier. It almost gets harder. I think there's yeah. honestly more pressure once you kind of figure out who you are and what you're passionate about. For me, at least I'm just going to speak from 
things that go through my brain to like be successful because I'm like, okay, I've achieved this milestone. Like I'm confident in who I am. Now I need to go kill it out there. And I stress myself yeah. out. All I, the time. And I think, I think that's a, you know, a lot of pressure too. I mean, I would argue that your twenties are the best thirties. You probably decided to get married and have a kid. Shit's changing. Marriage doesn't change much. I can tell you that like, that, that, there's no negotiation there. It's kind of like living together, dating seriously. I mean, it's, you know, you did it. Great. You have that first kid and then someone's got to trade time, right? Like, hey, I'm going to go out with my friends. Well, before the kid, then the wife just says, me too. And now, well, someone's got to stay home with the kid. And chances are you don't have, you're not loaded. So you don't, you know, you're not paying for babysitters just yet or it's a more of a rare occasion. So there's a lot of that. And that's where like the negotiation, you had two kids or however many kids you want to have. Um, I mean, my kids are four years apart and that's because it took me four years to get talked to have a second. I was okay with zero. One, I was like, all right, we got this family you wanted. And then now, of course, now that Aiden is my oldest is here, I, you know, can't imagine life without him, but that was my mindset, you know, at the time, like shit's a lot of work. Like, and I'm a very logical person. I mean, I, I mean, we've never had a dog. I've been lying about being allergic to dogs for as long as I can remember. Because I was like, that seems like kind of like another half a kid. Like, seems like a job again. Like, I'm going to have to come home to let it out. I mean, I watched all my neighbors and these kids didn't take care of these dogs. And I'm sure there's some great things that dogs love and affection and all these things. I got it. We had dogs growing up. So I'm not anti-pet or anti-dog. Just always looked like a lot of work. I mean, we moved out to five acres and I mean, we were like fake country people. I mean, but we didn't have a dog. I mean, we had the perfect place for a dog, but I was like, you know, if I wasn't so allergic, you guys want a goldfish? <laughs> okay. So my dad was verbatim. You refused. Granted, he is allergic to cats and so am I. So we're not cat people, but my mom always had dogs and my dad only wanted outdoor dogs. He was anti, anti, anti dogs. And the only reason that he caved and got a dog is because my sister got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And I think he just like caved in and like, cause my sister Hard. saved, I mean, we had lemonade stands and she saved. So we all did for a dog and we had like <laughs> hundreds of dollars in a dog fund. And I don't know what my mom did with it. I think she just kept it in like a little envelope. Or I don't know. But she, <laughs> we wanted a dog so bad. And my dad was just so like you, just no, 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 no. And then yep. now it's funny because we are the two puppies we have now. He is obsessed with to the point oh, where sure. he will not, doesn't like leaving the house. And my mom always calls and she's like, I don't know what got into your dad. Like he never, he didn't even like my old dog for the 13 years that dog was alive, did not like it at all. And now these two dogs, I mean, it's, he's a whole new person. Yeah. I, listen, I would have been exactly the same way. I know I would have fallen in love with it. And I'll tell you that hyperallergenic, whatever dog phase thing they got going on, that almost got me. I mean, they, they started coming to me with that. My sister-in-law got one of those poodles or whatever they are that I'm like, uh, I don't know. By this time I had, I mean, we were, we were, I kind of turned the corner, you know, we were talking like 14, 15, 16, they were starting to get lives of their own. They kind of could see the dog would be something they'd have to come back to take care of. So I dodged that bullet, but yeah, I almost got caught in the, uh, we did find a cat once. And of course, that's how I knew I'd fall. I, I got a soft spot for the cat. I was like, it's got to stay in the garage. It's a wild cat. You know, winter comes. I'm like, all right, bring the cat inside. He shreds the furniture. I'm like, I knew it, but I was, you know, well, that cat, you know, they just, they grow you. That's what you got to, you know, keep them away. 
I know. And <laughs> like not taking us back, but you, it's so funny listening to Mike because I think whenever like we talk about like things with relationships and we can kind of like take a, I know we've gone on a couple tangents, but kind of from career just to like, you know, things that you would tell yourself both, you know, personal, whatever it is, but you always talk about relationships. And I've always said like, I want poor kids. I think there's a part of me that I know how much work it is. And I think that's why I was telling my friends over my birthday, I'm like, I am so hell bent on not getting married until I'm 30 and not having kids till in my thirties. Cause I know how much work it is. Like I was a nanny. It's not easy. And moms, I mean, they don't get enough. It's, it's, if, especially if you're a stay at home mom, I mean, it's so hard and it's, I mean, especially it's rewarding. Yeah. But little ones, I mean, my God, like four to, I mean, 30, I mean, I mean, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but you better, you're going to wait till 30 and then pop out four. You're going to have to get busy fast. I know. <laughs> That's his whole plan. See, this is like my timeline in my brain that I'm, I always tell my coworkers, they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like, and this is one thing that I would tell anyone that's younger that feels pressure. I feel pressure now more than I ever have in my entire life to be in a relationship. And there's been times where I've almost caved just so people will hop off my back. Cause that's all you hear is like, why aren't you dating? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing this? And I'm like, because I want to have a career and like have money and buy a house and like do that. I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's what I mean. That's back to like 25. I mean, listen, if you meet the person, then you're going to know. Like, exactly. I, so I wouldn't be anti, you know, meeting, but I, I definitely wouldn't be like pro relationship too. Like, again, I think your 20s is your time, you know, and then, you know, your 30s will probably be married and kids, you know, if, if that's, you know, what you want. Um, and it may not end up being four. It may end up being just a couple, you know, like normal people, you know what I mean? We're not in the seventies anymore. People don't just go around popping out four kids. It's not normal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think, you know, you, I think everything will happen in its own time and you don't want to put, you know, too much pressure and, and timelines, you know, on those things. I do feel like my, I mean, I'm, I will say I'm a little surprised, you know, when I travel in, the, in my time machine that, your generation is so similar to ours in the timeline and the thing they want more similar than I would have thought they would be. You know, I would think with the social media and dating apps and access to people and all of those things that that kind of would have relaxed everybody. Like, why are we in such a hurry to get married and have kids and everything would have kind of um, happened later. But uh, I don't see that as much as I would have thought. And, you know, that may just speak to human nature and, and kind of what, what people want, you know, just in general. But uh, that's something that I would have thought would be much different kind of with my kids or your generation um, from mine that that really isn't. Yeah, which is so interesting to me because I think it, again, it like gives you more opportunity to meet people, but I almost feel like I've kind of always said, like, obviously if I meet someone and I fall in love head over heels and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to marry you. Okay, great. Like, obviously I'm not going to turn away from that, but I just think it's never been really at the top of my mind. Like I told myself once I turned 25, I'd be allowed, you know what I mean? So I feel like I'm kind of at the stage <laughs> where I'm like, okay, I'm more open-minded about it. I'm not as close-minded about it. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I you have some really rigid, rigid timelines that you're dealing with there. Like when I'm 25, I'm allowed. I mean, I can, I feel sorry for anybody that approached you before this birthday. 
I didn't have a chance. So uh, time machine going back, one piece of advice that I would give for every single person out there is do not do what I do. Not do not do what I do. I don't know. I just think there's a part of me, if people approached me, I was open to the idea, but I truly believe that the energy you give out is what you attract. And I always attracted people that I knew hands down I would never date because I just didn't want to date them. And I just, not that I was mean, but I just like was kind of like, eh, you know, you're kind of like, I just get annoyed really easily. So I feel like for me, it's just, again, to chill out. And also too, it just kind of like listening to who you are. Like I felt for so long, I apologize. Like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And now I'm like, I've just always been like this. I don't really, I don't know how to be different. Like I, this is just who I am. People can make fun of me for it or like, why are you so harsh? Yeah. Or I'm like, I don't well, know. It feels natural. I mean, whatever feels natural is, is usually, I mean, is usually right. So, you know, I think that's probably good to go with, you know, the way you feel. I mean, you don't want to go around <laughs> apologizing and shouldn't. And also, if Mike ever gives you relationship advice, you should listen to him. Because if not, he's going to come back after and say, I told you so. <laughs> I don't know if I have a lot of great relationship advice, but uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I think about it. You know, whether it's actually good advice or not is probably up for debate for sure. You're like, you're really good at reading people. So I, yeah. I you're always really good at that, but I guess. Well, I think, and I also think, you know, you know, re- I think relationships are hard, you know, so I, you know, I think they take a lot of work. And so I'm pretty open about those kind of things too, which sometimes again, you know, can be taken the wrong way, you know, and, and maybe sometimes I, you know, I'm, I'm blunt kind of that way too. So, you know, sometimes it gets either taken out of context or just kind of gets taken, you know, the wrong way is like, or you're not happy in your relationship because you talk about, you know, the difficulties of it. And it's actually the, you know, kind of, you know, the opposite, you know, you ebb and flow and sometimes everything's great. Sometimes it's rough. And, you know, if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, those are the things that, you know, you do your best to work through, but, um, you know, that, you know, that, that's kind of the relationship advice, you know, that I, I usually get, you know, I think, you know, I think it, for me, if I have kids, I think I do them a great disservice, you know, in telling them that everything's rosy and great all the time, because when they get into it and then they have their struggles, if they compare their relationship to the one that I painted for them, you know, which wasn't really very accurate, you know, they could, you know, be disappointed in themselves and that relationship, think this isn't normal, you know, a whole host of things that could be probably more destructive than if I had just been honest and saying, you know, we've gone through this and we've gone through that and here's some of the challenges and that's, you know, those feelings are normal and, you know, sometimes it, it makes sense to move on or, you know, change things. And sometimes it makes sense just to sit still for a minute, like just hang on, you know, don't make anything rash. There's a lot vested here, you know, hang on and see where this goes. And sometimes it's very obvious, you know, Hey, this really isn't working out. Let's go ahead and go our separate ways. So. And you were married at what? 26. I was married 26. Yeah. 26. Yeah. That'd be like me getting married next year. Yeah. Not happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, it, it is. Four kids on the horizon. I know. Well, it is. Well, you don't, listen, in this day and age, you don't need a man. You don't need a husband. You just freeze some eggs. Next thing you know, whenever you're ready, you just get yourself a daughter, four kids. 
raise those babies. <laughs> hey, that's what technology does. I'm, I'm my, telling you. My, time machine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so, I mean, my mom had, one of my best friends is in her late 20s or 30s rather. She just had one. Uh, and my mom had all three of us after in her late 30s. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I think like she had some health issues, but I mean, all of us are, you know, she didn't have any huge complications. Well, listen, we may be, we may, <laughs> this may be another podcast as we dive into what those issues are created. One but. is in denial. Her name is Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I know. All right. Well, we will, let's just maybe do like not rapid fire, but kind of rapid fire. So let's just give like some things that you would tell yourself. 10, 15, 20 years ago, and then I'll kind of do my take on, I'll do the same. Or should we do something different? Um, yeah. So I would, you know, again, just start, you know, trying to follow your passion and figure out, you know, what you're passionate about, what you want to do earlier, you know, find a mentor, you know, within that, that, uh, you know, can help you and navigate you and kind of guide you, give you advice, ask for help, you know, cause you know, I think a lot of people spend a lot of time, you know, afraid to ask for help. Um, and I think that's probably a little bit of a, you know, downfall, um, on that social media is coming. So you won't always be bored soon. You'll have TikTok <laughs> and you'll have hours of endless entertainment. I would tell my, my young self that, <laughs> Um, what else? I don't know. I was going to say on like the ask questions, I think one thing I really learned is ask questions from an honest place of curiosity. Yeah, that's great. In like all aspects of your life. I think sometimes people ask questions just to ask a question or like, just ask from a place of curiosity. Like people can tell if you're being genuine about your question or you're just asking it just to ask it to just check a box it. or to like be, oh, I asked a question or oh, I did this. I think if you're really truly asking from it. And I mean, I've learned this in sales is that it's like I sometimes ask a lot of questions, but it's because it's coming from a place of like, I really want to understand and like learn about who they are and what they do and what their role is so I can, you know, obviously see if this is a good fit or whatever it is. But I think sometimes in school we're taught to just like ask questions or you're checking a box, like get this assignment done, take this test, do this, do yeah. this. And you kind of lose the authenticity behind it. So just be curious. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. If you're really curious and you're really listening and the person that you're talking to will feel that and they'll go on and on and on. And especially if you're talking about something that they're passionate about, if you share that passion, you're going to have no, no problem, you know, getting someone to give you everything that they know about what they're passionate about. And if you mess up or you kiss the wrong boy or you date the wrong person or you yell at the wrong person or maybe you get fired from a job, life is not over. Yeah. Even though you think it is. And you can always apologize. <laughs> apologize. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I do a lot of that. You know, sorry. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. You know, and again, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, I would say don't, you know, I think in my 20s, fear uh, of messing up uh, takes a toll, right? Like, and that's kind of where I came to. Um, and I actually think my mom gave me that piece of advice, whereas like, well, what if that's the wrong choice? 
just make another one. You're just going to make a different one. So don't be so afraid of the, the wrong choices. They won't all be right. Um, but if you don't start to, you know, make them, then you'll just end up stuck. Yeah. Which I think is something and you're really good at even with this podcast, like pushing me to just keep moving forward. I think sometimes I get like fear of, I notice I'm a perfectionist at some things. And so I want it to be perfect the first time or I want it to be like, why is it not this at this point or this, as we can tell from my, all my timelines that I have, but it's just keep going. Like you, you never know fear is something yeah. that, and it's hard to overcome. I think, especially in your twenties, when you're moving to a new city that's something I'm going to do an episode on. Like, if you don't know anyone, there's fear associated with that. Like, what if I don't like this place? What if this is miserable? What if this? And you know, what if all of that is true? Or what if on the positive side, it is about podcast that you fall. I mean, when I moved here to Dallas, I was crying for like a week before I didn't want to move. It's the best decision I ever made in my whole entire life. And my mom legit was so mad at me. She thought I was going to move home a week later. And that's great. And and that's that's a great story. I mean, and even the that that whole what if, what if. I mean, I will tell you, I'm a what ifer and I usually move in the direction anyway. And I will say ninety percent of the what ifs never ever happen. And you can really get stuck <clears throat> by constantly going what if, what if, what if. So just know that typically the what ifs, you know, don't don't happen. It just they just don't. Yeah. You're just creating scenarios in your brain. And I think it's a way to, I've noticed for me, it's a way to rationalize a negative outcome. And I think sometimes it has to do with like ego or I don't want to make a mistake. So you're like, well, what if this happens almost to like protect myself when in reality, I mean, I always think of the worst case scenario and this sounds bad. I've probably been talking to Mike too much, like sounds a little pessimistic, but like, what's the worst? I always think like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And my friend said this the other day, she's like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you go on a date with this person? And I'm like, right. I mean, I don't know. We like break up. She's like, well, that's happened to you before. And I'm like, that's so true. Like, think about it. Yeah, or, I mean, he's a serial killer and he, you know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, if we're really going to the worst. <laughs> no, but I know you're exactly right. Like, you know, the what ifs and, and the worst case scenario are usually not, not, not that bad. And it was super easy to do in real estate. You know, you know, what if I can't make the mortgage payments? What if I can't find someone to fix different things? What if the place burns down? What if I get sued because somebody trips and falls over a crack in the sidewalk? What if, you know, so you go through all of these things and, and then it's very easy to just talk yourself out of, you know, doing it. When in reality, I can tell you, you know, 15 years later, you know, those what ifs haven't happened. And if they have, they've been fairly easy to take care of. Yeah, it's just like, I truly believe, even though sometimes it's been hard, that, like you're not dealt things that you can't handle. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of times where you're pushed to the, pra like I've been pushed so many times at like the breaking point, but I do think at the end of the day, like you're not pushed point. You are not given things that you can't handle or you may think that you can't, but you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's very true. Take the leap, friends. All right. <laughs> Well, as we are wrapping up, we are about at an hour for this podcast and Mike will be on a lot more because I know everyone enjoys his wisdom as do I. So to kind of wrap things up, do we want to give like one last final regret story of things or what do you want to do? Um, wow. You already gave a funny story. I'm trying to rack my brain on something that I look back at now and I'm just like, what in the world were you thinking? 
I was at the lake the other day. I regret eating this giant piece of steak because I almost choked to death. My friend James was there, thankfully, in the kitchen, and I couldn't breathe. I mean, he kind of gave me a really shitty Heimlich. I think if I was really dependent on his Heimlich, I could have died. But, uh, yeah, I just it, he had cut it up, and I took this big chunk, and I swallowed it, and all of a sudden I couldn't get it up, and I couldn't get it down. And then I did cough up a piece of it. And then once I coughed up the piece of it, the rest of it went down. So, I mean, I did almost, you know, die two weeks ago. Wow. <laughs> Near-death experience. Well, since you're sharing a near-death experience, I will share one that happened when I was, I want to say 16. And this is actually a tip. So don't ever itch your mosquito bites because I was in Hilton Head. And this was probably like, I want to say eight years ago maybe six, I don't know. And we were coming back from Hilton Head and I got a mosquito bite. And naturally what every child does is itch their mosquito bites. Well, little do you know that underneath your nails has just as much bacteria or like one of the most amount of bacteria like on your body, probably. I know your phone has a lot too. And so I itched it and I usually keep my knees short. Well, let me just tell you what, that thing got infected and my it was so bad. And I was actually nannying for a trauma surgeon at the time. She might be listening to this. Um, but her husband was like, Hey, yeah, just go down to the ER and I'll have one of my residents like just drain your leg. Cause it was like swollen on my ankle. So we're like, all right, cool. Go down to Grant hospital, get to have this resident, you know, drain my ankle, which is very gross. Sorry, TMI for everyone. So first off, Strike one, he was hitting on me in front of my mom. My mom was like, no, this is this is not cool. <laughs> Second off, I guess he didn't do like what you're supposed to do with like gloves or something, like sanitary thing. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I was in so much pain. And within like 48 hours, I was in the uh, disease department of Children's Hospital with like my leg was like purple and blue all the way up to my knee because of a mosquito bite. Wow. And I was in like a this whole rat thing. Like they thought they didn't know if they were gonna have to like amputate my leg. Like it was, amputee, yeah. it was serious. They didn't know if it was going into my bone all because have, like a blade, like the blade guy from the Olympics. What's his name? Pistorius or something. Do you remember him? No, he, he ran the regular Olympics, but he had like two blade legs. All right. I'm, we're, we're getting off here, but okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm glad you don't have a prosthetic. I'm glad you made it. Blade legs. But yeah, the moral of the story is don't itch your mosquito bites. Cause like what, I mean, yours was choking on a piece yeah. of steak and I'm sure you've had steak a million times in your life. And it's that one time and mine was a mosquito bite. It's crazy. Listen, we probably should have started the podcast with these life lessons. <laughs> I mean, this is important stuff. People need to know. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Go rate, review, and subscribe on this episode and go follow us on Instagram. I need to start plugging the Instagram. It's at power PWR of positivity podcast. <laughs> I am grateful for my health and my friends. They were very nice, kind and giving for my birthday, which was super nice. So I am grateful for, um, the success that I've had so far we're in the middle of a big refinance and that's going well. So I'm grateful for my work success. This week has been very busy and I'm glad it's coming to an end. And we're all very happy that you're back and working. Hard work is foreign to Mike Flanagan. <laughs>
Oh, geez. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in and we will talk to you next week.